0: Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts.
2: You're listening to the Locked On Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On podcast network is your host, Brady Trent
1: what's up Thunder fans Welcome to another edition of the locked on Thunder podcast part of the locked on podcast Network your team every day my name is Brady Trantham your host and your man for all things Oklahoma City Thunder For the next 30 minutes or so you will be so locked on Thunder that you'll forget to brush your teeth but please remember to brush your teeth It's Thursday so we've got throwback Thursday to look forward to but first, if you don't know who I am just yet, if this is your first Locked on Thunder podcast, in which case, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for giving us a chance, and hopefully you stick around. But it's probably best that you know who you're listening to. Like I said, my name is Brady Trantham. You can follow me on Twitter at Brady Does Sports. That's where I put all my Thunder content anyway, including this podcast, and then all my other Thunder stuff, which you can find at TheFranchiseOK.com. I do work for 107.7 The Franchise, 107.9 in Tulsa covered the Thunder with the franchise since 2018, and been covering the Thunder since 2014 as a blog boy for Thunder Digest. I just put out a new column at thefranchiseok.com of two days ago. It will apply after a win, but it especially applies after a loss, so go give it a shot. Go give it a read. I also do the OKC 82 podcast with my partner Madison Morris at the franchise and then occasional guests. Wednesdays we do a weekly show from the Press Restaurant Live at noon in Oklahoma City. So if you're around the Plaza, around 16th Street, around noon on Wednesday, go to the Press, go get some good food. And come say hi to us. And for those interested, I also sat down with Demetrius Juice Deason, Russell Westbrook's comedian friend. Yesterday, I put that up on the OKC82 podcast feed. It was actually kind of an interesting conversation, Thunder fans. I would encourage you all to listen to it, not just for the advertisement that Juice is doing a show at the Tower Theater, January 10th, the night after the the Thunder play the Houston Rockets, which you should then safely assume that Russell Westbrook will be in attendance. So, Thunder fans, if you want to see Russell out in public... Go check out the Tower Theater, January 10th, 7 o'clock. Juice is a funny guy. He did give some good perspective on Russell Westbrook's final night as a member of the Oklahoma City Thunder. If you all remember, Russell was traded the night Juice had a show in Tulsa at the Kane's Ballroom back in the summer, and we talked about that, and it was interesting get to see a little bit of a different perspective of Russell Westbrook. So, again, I encourage everybody to go listen to that on the OKC82 podcast feed. And one more time, I put columns, blogs, podcasts, random thunder thoughts, random thoughts, all on my Twitter account, at BradyDoesSports. I've gotten a few good messages from some listeners and some from some followers, and thank you guys. Thank you all so much. Really appreciate it. Lucas Miller, Ryland Stiles, thank you all so much for your kind words. I really appreciate it. But they don't always have to be kind words, everybody. I'm welcome to any type of criticism, whether it be constructive or, I mean, if you want to be mean, I can't stop you. But every little thing helps, and I want to help make this podcast as, as best as possible for you guys so that you continue to be locked on Thunder. And like I said earlier, it is Thursday, so we've got Throwback Thursday to look forward to. But first, the Thunder played a game last night, so let's dive right in. The thunder fall to the Sacramento Kings 94-93 in heartbreaking fashion depending on what side of the tanking fence you are on. Outside of a sluggish offensive first quarter for the Thunder. The Thunder went on to dominate this game overall until about the final minute of, of the contest, especially in the middle part of the game, the second quarter where the Thunder outscored the Kings 29-15. to The Kings came out and outscored the Thunder 31-24, but the Thunder were at least able to match. But the interesting thing about this game was the Kings had to basically win it twice. You had Buddy Heald at one point was 3-15 of 15 and just could not buy a bucket. And if Buddy is going to be taking up shots, putting up a lot of empty possessions and not hitting shots... It's obviously good for the Thunder, and the Thunder took advantage of that and were able to run some pretty methodical offense in the middle part of the game. But then about midway through the third quarter, Buddy Heald and the Kings started catching fire. This is my unofficial tally, but I believe Buddy Heald finished the game 6-for-9, four of them from, three, from the three-point line. And it really helps capitalize an 18-0 run by the Kings to tie it at 71 late in the third, early in the fourth. I can't really recall, but then the Thunder's offense came back to life. They outscored the Kings from then on out. They went on a 14-2 run and regained control of the game, and it just looked like, all right, well, the Thunder are just going to walk away with their fourth consecutive victory, third straight win on this West Coast road trip, and go back to 500 for the year as they were 11-12 coming into this game last night. And then the final minutes of this game were completely and utterly bonkers. You had an eight-second backcourt violation by Shea Gillis-Alexander following a play where SGA gets the rebound. Buddy Healed appears to like I thought in real time, and then even watching the re- the replay, punch the ball out of bounds, which should have resulted in a reset of the shot clock. The officials disagreed, and unfortunately for the Thunder, nobody on the Thunder, whether whether it be a player or Billy Donovan, communicated to the ball handler, which in this case was Shea Gilgis Alexander that you only have four seconds to cross half-court. SGA thought he had the normal eight seconds and took his time, and then the officials blew the whistle. resulting in a turnover, and a lot of just, uh-oh, here it comes. Here comes the collapse. But fortunately for the Thunder, the officials kind of felt bad for Oklahoma City because they had one of the most blatant makeup calls on an offensive foul on the Kings about two or three seconds later, so it ultimately didn't matter. But it really felt like with that turnover— Just the air got sucked out of the Thunder offense, and they just were sluggish and really dependent on isolation basketball. Now, after that occurred, Danilo Gallinari actually hit a big mid-range jumper, highly contested by the Kings, good defense on their part. Danilo just hit the shot, but it really set the foundation for what was to come. Gallinari hits that shot, the Thunder lead, by two, and then we go on to the final defensive possession for the Oklahoma City Thunder, which was played absolutely perfectly. Absolutely perfectly. I, I was I was impressed wholeheartedly, not just by Chris Paul hounding Buddy Heald, because Buddy Heald dribbled the ball for about 18 seconds. He had nowhere to go. Chris Paul was all over him, and then Stephen Adams would come up and blitz high on him. It looked like the Thunder defenses of old, where that was just kind of the idea. Stephen Adams, you're just going to go blitz the ball handler, and we don't care about anybody else but the guy with the ball in his hands, in this case, Buddy Heald, and you can't blame him. Buddy Heald, like I said, got really hot late in the game. If the th- if the Kings were going to win it, it was going to be because of Buddy Heald. But, as these things can typically happen, sometimes you can just play too well. And the Thunder did. They forced the ball out of Buddy Heald's hands, which, good job, Oklahoma City Thunder. Went into the hands of Bogdan Bonjanovic, who then Dennis Schroeder closed out on. Also, good job. Unfortunately for Dennis Schroeder and the Thunder, he bit hard on a pump fake, resulting in a wide-open three, which Bogdanovic buried resulting in the thunder being down one but they still had one more chance they had a few seconds left had 10 10 or so seconds left on the clock they dribbled down the floor and remember what i said a little bit earlier that after that eight second court backcourt violation i felt like the thunder the air went out of the thunder offense and i think it really came to a head here because the entire game the thunder's half court offense was run so well they were getting wide open shots for everybody on the floor. Abdul Nader hit a career-high five three-pointers. He was 5 of 6 from the floor. Finished with 15 points. Danilo Gallinari actually had a really bad night in terms of efficiency. He finished with 14 points, but like I said, hit that big shot just a sequence earlier prior to this possession. Shea Gildas-Alexander had a coming-back-down-to-earth game, 14 points. Not very... Confident, not very aggressive on the offensive end. Dennis Schroeder helped out with the bench scoring 17 points, Nerlens Noel 11 points. Despite some of the inefficient numbers, the Thunder really did a good job of getting guys open looks. Some of them just couldn't knock down open shots. Then fast forward to this final possession, and I'm thinking, okay, Chris Paul's going to set something up. Because even Chris Paul himself, eight points, 12 assists, which I believe is a season high, but eight points, he's not exactly having a Chris Paul takeover game like he did against Minnesota, where If the Thunder are going to just run isolation in the mid-range with Chris Paul, you can live with it because Chris Paul was simply on that night. Last night, not the case. And instead of the Thunder running a set play to get an open look for maybe a Danilo Gallinari, maybe a Shea Gildas Alexander, and also Abdul Nader's not on the floor at this point by the way, and we'll get to that in a little bit. Chris Paul simply dribbles into a brick wall that is the Sacramento Kings defense, right around 15 feet, takes a highly contested step-back fadeaway jumper and misses at the buzzer and the Thunder lose, snapping their three-game winning streak. So again, the Thunder fall to 11-13. and 13. They fall from the seventh seed in the Western Conference standings to the ninth seed. Phoenix lost last night as well. The Thunder are tied with them in the loss column when they're both 11-13. and 13. And they actually play each other, not this Friday, but next Friday in Oklahoma City. So heartbreaking for Thunder fans, and even if you are Team Tank, this was a game that I would assume Team Tankers were probably instinctually upset with because, like I always say, it does suck to watch your team lose in the short term. It, you just can't help but root for your team. But then also, like I said earlier, this was a game that the Thunder controlled, led by as many as 14, I believe. And after the Kings had their run, and you know, teams like the Kings, most teams in the NBA, they're going to make runs. They tied at 71 in the fourth quarter, and then the Thunder go on a 14-2 run, and then you just think, okay, well, that's that's done now. Like, they had their run, the Thunder answered it, this game's going to be over. So even even the tanking crowd would probably watch this game and go, well, what the hell just happened? But alas, the result is what it was. Thunder lose, and now they look forward to a Saturday night matchup in Denver against Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets. And before we get a little further, I did want to mention something that I thought was kind of interesting. And mostly funny. Abdul Nader hits a big three with about a minute and a half left to put the Thunder on the high side. And then for the final defensive possession, Billy Donovan wisely takes out Ab- takes out Abdul Nader, who was then also not on the final sequence on offense. And I actually had a little back and forth with somebody on Twitter about this, this team just needs to lose, this team needs to tank. To which I'm like, okay, yeah, you're not wrong. Like I've been consistent with, you're not wrong. But then they also complained about Billy Donovan, to which I replied back. Well, he did sit Abdul Nader, who was just sliding it up from the perimeter. If that doesn't scream tank, I don't know what does. When we get back, a few more notes on the Thunder Kings, maybe a little bit of a preview against the Nuggets on Saturday night, and then throwback Thursday.
0: This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
1: So I complained about this last night on the post-game show on the radio following the Thunder's loss. This game reminded me a lot of a Russell Westbrook-led Thunder team over the last few seasons because they lost a game, like simply put, they lost a game that they controlled. They collapsed towards the end. They also had their point guard run a heavy isolation play, contested into the defense for the final shot of the game, which, of course, resulted in a miss shot. More times than not, that's going to be the result. But also... The other thing that, that reminded me of some past Thunder teams was just looking at Dennis Schroeder's box score. Now, he finished shooting 50% from the floor. Great. That's incredible. 7-14 from the floor. And if you've been paying attention to Dennis Schroeder, which I'm sure you all have, over the last six, seven games, he's actually led the Thunder in scoring at 22, 23 points per game. He's been automatic off the bench. He's is a he been getting buckets. And Maddie Lee from the Oklahoma mentioned it last night, and she was 100% correct. Dennis has this knack of getting to the basket and finishing when the Thunder's offense just starts to die. Like he's just he's on a good Dennis Schroeder tear over the last two weeks or so. But in addition to being seven of fourteen from the floor, Dennis Schroeder also shot three of eight from the three point line, which thirty seven percent. That's good. The problem that I have with it is is just the eight three point attempts. Last year, I feel like a lot of games that the Thunder lost, especially to teams that they were way more talented than, better than in every single way. You know, Some of it can be pinned on Russell Westbrook not playing well. Some of it can be pinned on Paul George not shooting the ball well. And when that happened, the Thunder were going to be hard-pressed to win because they lacked other players that could create on their own. But one of those guys they had was Dennis Schroeder. And a lot of times, I feel like, Four or five times doing an OKC eighty two podcast or doing a post game show on the radio, following a loss like that and like last night, I would find myself eyeing the box score, just kind of trying to just trying to pick something out that stuck out, and then boom, Dennis Schroeder goes one of nine from the three point line or oh of seven, and the whole time I'm thinking, you are a thirty two percent three point shooter. You're not very good spot up. You're just not a you're just not a good three point shooter. And when I see three for eight. And some would say, well, again, that's still not a bad percentage. I see eight possessions that could have gone any anywhere else. I would rather Dennis Schroeder dribble into two defenders at the rim and potentially get fouled, which he doesn't really get to the foul line that often anyway, over him taking a spot-up three-pointer. The only time I accept Dennis Schroeder taking a lot of threes is when he's absolutely hot and then he starts heat-checking. You know you let players go for a heat check. That's fine. But in a one-point loss, three for eight, with a guy who shouldn't be taking threes that often at that clip, I see a lot of missed opportunity. And who knows? Now again, if you want the Thunder to lose, then bravo Dennis Schroeder keep shooting, am I right? But it's something that I've been curious, or what the end goal has been for Dennis Schroeder over the last few weeks. There's no question that Everybody on this team, probably not named Shea Gildas-Alexander or even Darius Baisley, are fairly tradable. Dennis Schroeder, of course, is one of those players. He's a starting level point guard in the NBA, as Chris Paul said, and as you all probably agree with, he can start for about half the league. He could help out a lot of playoff teams. But there's just something different about his playing style over the last few weeks that it really seems to me like he's... I don't want to assume. I, I don't want to project anything, but it really feels like to me that he's just going out of his way to just to just show off how good he is, and that and that's putting it completely and utterly simply. I understand, but again, I just keep falling back to too many three point attempts and a one point loss. I just I want to see. I just want to see a different offense, and especially with the Thunder being one of the better half court offenses in the league, considering all things, I just want to see better offense, and that's basically it. One real quick note before we get to Throwback Thursday. This just occurred while I was recording this podcast. The Thunder have waived two-way contract Devin Hall, who the Thunder drafted out of Virginia last year. Not surprising, considering the Thunder are hurting at the guard wing position and Devin Hall isn't getting a lot of opportunity. Deontay Burton, a former two-way contract got a lot more opportunity when he was a two-way player over Devin Hall on a more established some would say more some would say stacked team didn't really wow me when i saw him play the last 2 years at summer league didn't have the length of your prototypical Sam Presti Oklahoma City Thunder draft pick. And for the finance gurus out there, John Ham already put it out, so I'll just go ahead and repeat his sentiment. Those types of contracts don't have salary cap hits, and thus the Thunder aren't saving anything. They can sign another player to fill that spot. and This is from John Ham's Twitter account, and then he goes on to clarify, "This only clears up a spot for another two-way player. Doesn't really help in regards to potential trades unless there were they were to trade for another team's two-way player." OKC already has one open roster spot for their 15-man roster. This one should be fairly easy, so you're only going to get one more hint as to what happened. But it's one of the more incredible sequences, one of the more incredible shots in the Thunder's short history as a basketball team in Oklahoma City. So let's get to the second clip.
0: The steal, the foul, and the two. Westbrook
1: yes, that was Game Five of the Western Conference Semifinal against the Los Angeles Lakers, in which the Thunder eliminated the Lakers from the playoffs and moved on to play San Antonio in the Western Conference Finals, where the Thunder would defeat them and then go on to the Finals, where they would lose to the Miami Heat. And back in that, back in those days, I was actually a Thunder fan, and luckily I was in. Thunder Alley watching that game I didn't have tickets but me and some friends went went and hung out on Reno Avenue and watched that game on the big tv screen that hangs outside the arena and so we stood on Reno in between the Cox Center and Chesapeake Energy Arena and the atmosphere was just incredible and that play that sequence is always going to live with me as one of the more exciting and wow sports moments of my life and that goes it transcends any sport basketball football Baseball, anything that I've watched and gotten emotionally invested in, that was huge. And then, of course, people seem to lump like the post championship Kobe years with they were always trash, but this Lakers team was still really good. They still had Andrew Bynum, they still had Pal Gasol, they still had Meta World Peace, they still had Kobe Bryant who can get buckets. He was on his last leg, yes, but this was really the last really good Lakers team, in my opinion, and the Thunder were able to defeat them. And at the time, I It was still hard to believe that this team had grown up so quickly and that TNT was going to be in Oklahoma City at least in a few weeks to cover the Western Conference Finals. I I just couldn't believe it. It was also, unfortunately, the last true Thunder Alley game as there were some unrelated gunshots about 20 minutes after the game had ended, a few blocks away in Bricktown, and the powers that be ultimately decided to shut down live watch parties outside. Really a shame, but I can't really argue either way in terms of safety. That's always the important thing here. But it was such a great moment, and I'm really happy that I was able to be a part of it. Well, everybody, thank you so much for listening to the Locked on Thunder podcast. Tomorrow is going to be the free space edition, and I've got some Darius Baisley audio that I've accrued over the season where him and I have had some fun little conversations in the locker room one-on-one, so I'll probably play you guys a little bit of a snippet from that. Other than that, everybody, thank you again so much for listening to the Locked on Thunder podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Follow me on Twitter at BradyDoesSports. Follow my Thunder coverage along at TheFranchiseOK.com. Feel free to subscribe to my other podcast, OKC82, and until tomorrow, I'll talk to you guys later.
0: Hey, Prime members!